0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to a very special edition of the Bill Press Pod. Well, as they say, our next guest needs no introduction. <laughs> yeah. Not of you've watched any of the hearings of the House Oversight Committee, where Chairman James Comer has failed time and time again to make the case against Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Why? Well, one big reason is because every time a freshman Congressman from Florida named Jared Moskowitz makes a fool of him, pointing out very colorfully and very effectively that Republicans just don't have the goods, like in their last hearing where Moskowitz ridiculed Republicans for insisting on holding Hunter Biden in contempt for failing to answer a congressional subpoena when Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, and a whole bunch of others had failed to answer subpoenas from the January 6th committee. Jared Moskowitz may be only in his first term in Congress, but he's already made his mark on the House Oversight Committee and on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, where he's also been a champion for Defending Democracy in Ukraine. It's another very busy week in Congress, but Jared Moskowitz today takes time out to join us. Congressman Moskowitz, it's a great honor to welcome you to the Bill Press Pod. Nice to talk to you. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Bill. Good to be with you.
1: So uh, let's start with some of the breaking news, Congressman. Over the weekend, shockwaves uh, running around the world after Donald Trump told a campaign rally that if he were president, and some NATO member, uh, hadn't paid what he considered their fair share of dues. He would tell Russia, you can do whatever the hell you want to that country and we will not interfere. Uh, you, you're active on both the domestic front and the foreign policy. How did that strike you as an American policy?
2: Well, look, Russia first, it's a, uh, it's a new campaign slogan. Uh, the hats are going to sell like crazy with, uh, his MAGA base. Uh, it, bill, this is not surprising. This is exactly how he felt in the first term. He's now just going a little further, trying to outdo his love for Putin, um, it, you know, which which we kind of already knew about. It. And we knew his contempt for NATO and Europe. Uh, this is exactly why, by the way, on a bipartisan basis, the Senate put in language into the defense uh, authorization bill that took away, stripped the power away from the presidency, any president, to take us out of NATO, it now requires a two-thirds vote of Mm. the Senate. Uh, That was done by Tim Kaine and Marco Rubio. And that was solely because, God forbid, Donald Trump ever became president again, both Democrats and Republicans were trying to get some insurance policy on him destroying the world order. Look, uh, all bets are off with Donald on a foreign policy basis. I mean, who knows? He could trade. He could trade our NATO alliance, you know, for the United States acquiring Greenland. You know, it sounds crazy, but something Donald might want to do. And so, look, Ukraine is up in the air. Russia expanding, uh, you know, their their borders going back to USSR days, you know, China and Taiwan. All of that is up in the air uh, if Donald Trump uh, comes back to office.
1: Uh, As a member of the House, you've been very strong in urging continued American support for Ukraine in its war against Russia, defending itself against Russia. Uh, do you, Are you confident or have any hope that the House will go along with the Senate and continue aid to Ukraine?
2: Well, look, like people ask me all the time, like, wh- why should we care about Ukraine? And I say to them, look, don't focus so much on Ukraine. Why do we care about Ukraine? You should care about the world order, right? You, you should care about stability. You, you don't want nations invading other nations, that's where you could lead into a much wider war. Uh, And so I think President Biden is trying to prevent that from happening. And so it's critical uh, to the United States uh, to try to keep things stable uh, and not have uh, countries invading other countries. Uh, And so that's number one. Number two is, do I think the House will take up uh the the senate bill i have no idea bill this is the most chaotic congress that we've ever seen <laughs> yeah. okay it's led by an amateur i mean mike's a nice guy but it it's amateur hour over there watching votes fail left and right on, on the floor which is something you, you never see happen right i mean it's a historic congress it's historic uh they've uh removed a, a speaker their own speaker which has never happened uh in in uh, American history. In fact, the, when they called that vote, it was the first vote they took on that in 100 years. Then they expelled a member, uh, only happened mm-hmm. a couple of times, and now they're trying to impeach a cabinet secretary, which hasn't happened in 150 years. So look, they're going for the history books, not to help the American people. They've not done anything to help the American people at all. I can't name one win. In fact, don't listen to me. Listen to Republican congressmen who say, we don't have one thing to run on. Uh, because they've done nothing for the American people. It's just all grievance politics. And now with Donald Trump in control of the Republican Party, I mean, I don't know what Mike Johnson will do. He'll do whatever Donald Trump tells him to do. I mean, he's Donald Trump's yes man. He's Donald Trump's no man. I mean, whatever Donald says. So we'll just have to wait until we see the tweet.
1: (laughs) And uh, part of that chaos, of course, is what happened with the border bill, right? Republicans said, "No, no, no help to Ukraine or Israel unless we get tough new measures at the border. Right. They got what they wanted. Then they rejected the border deal.
2: Yeah, they thought they were creative, Bill. They were like, we have a winning message. Here it is. Ready? We're not going to put more money, more money to secure Ukraine's border without securing our border. And then they like celebrated They're like, aha, we got them. See, we got the Democrats. They can't win that message. And then the Democrats were like, oh, okay, fine. I guess that makes sense. Let's do both. Right. And And they and 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 we were working on it. For months, in fact, we come up with the most conservative border bill to come out of Congress. And then all of a sudden, Republicans were like, oh, God, we, they actually came up with a bill. Now what do we got to do? Um, let's just come out and be honest, which I thought was fascinating, right? They're like, let's just be honest. Nope, we can't fix the border because Donald Trump needs that for an election issue, right? And then Donald Trump goes on TV and he's like, blame me. I'm the one. Blame me. So look, I, I've said this and I'll say it again. I think Democrats were slow to to address the issue. I think Republicans were pointing it out, and they were hyping it up for election purposes. But now that we can actually solve the issue, solve it, to be clear. We can actually solve the issue. Something a president cannot do on their own. That's why Republicans passed a bill earlier last session, last year, because they recognized. Okay, and the House Republicans passed this HR two. Well, if the president can do it, why was HR two necessary? It's necessary. You need a bill. You need you need you need statutory language to give the president more authority uh, to do these things. And so now that we have this thing, they're like, nope, we got to kill that because you know otherwise, if we solve that problem, what's Donald's entire campaign about? And the answer is nothing. There would be nothing for Donald to talk about. Um, And so. Yeah, typical Washington. This is what people hate about both sides is, you know, ra- we're, we're now focused on an election uh, rather than actually solving the issue at the border.
1: Right. And as you point out, uh, they say that themselves, right? It's, <laughs> it's flat out. Right, I love their Chuck?
2: honesty, Bill. Give them credit for yeah. honesty. I love it. They're like, <laughs> instead of being like, look, here's here are the reasons why we want to improve the bill. They were like, no, no, this is going to hurt Donald. And by the way, after after someone must have said, oh, by the way, stop saying that. Then they were like, oh, the border bill is weak. It's open borders, right? You know. Then, then they pivoted to attack the bill. But at first they were honest. They were like, no, we, why would we help Joe Biden? One of, one of my Republican colleagues were like, I'm not going to solve the border. I'm not going to help Joe Biden. And he's from Texas. And I was like, Texas needs help. Don't be that honest.
1: Chuck Grassley, right, saying the same thing. So um, you you alluded to this a little earlier, Congressman. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. It looks like um, this evening, um, our interview is going to air uh, Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday evening, the House is going to try yet again to impeach Secretary Mayorkas.
2: Uh, Yeah, you know, again, we're 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 breaking 150 years of history. I mean, look, to be clear, uh, and l- let's just state this, not liking a cabinet secretary or thinking a cabinet secretary is not doing their job is not grounds for impeachment. That's not what the constitution says. The constitution lays this out. Okay. And we're going to break another norm in Congress. I mean, we continue to break the place. This, this, The 118th Congress, all we do is continue to break every norm and make this place more and more dysfunctional for future Congresses. And so I mean if 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 impeachment was about you not liking someone or thinking someone was not doing a good job man they would have impeached like half the cabinet during <laughs> Trump's administration I mean remember this I mean for again forget what I said Donald Trump was the one who said you know Rex Tillerson you know is a, is is dumb as rocks okay you know he hated him he hated Jeff Sessions Jeff Sessions you fired know him. He's a, fired right. him he's attorney general I mean, you can go down the line uh, of the people Donald Trump hated working for him, Um, and, and we didn't impeach any of those people because it's not an impeachable offense. It's not a high crime. It's not a misdemeanor. It's not treason. And so here we go, breaking another norm, and the way Congress works, it's tit for tat. It's very high school. Right. Oh, you impeach one cabinet secretary. Next time we'll impeach two cabinet secretaries. Mm -hmm. Oh, you censure one member. Next time we'll censure two members. Oh, you remove someone from a committee. Next time we'll remove two people from a committee. It's very high school. It's very tit for tat. So I can tell you to my Republican colleagues who are going to vote for this next time there's a Republican president, there will be secretaries removed. It's just how the system works. Um, and that's why I think you saw a couple of Republicans in the House stand up to this and say, look, we, we don't think Mayorkas is doing a good job, but it's not an impeachable offense. And you're going to continue to break this place. And this is going to come back around to us. No question.
1: Isn't it in effect for them, plan B, meaning uh, plan A was to impeach Joe Biden? but they oh, realize Of course,
2: that- of course this is <laughs> this is the consolation prize to their base. Okay? I mean, you know, James Comer has just done such a fantastic job as chair of the oversight committee. <laughs> okay? That they I don't even hear them talk about it anymore about the Joe Biden impeachment. That's how much of a debacle it's been. I mean, their own witnesses, their own constitutional scholars that they brought to the hearing are like there's there's nothing there's nothing there's no evidence here for an impeachable offense. You know, that that happened in like the first minute of the hearing. I was like, "Holy cow. Did, did no one look? <laughs> did no one talk to this guy before they brought him up here? It was just failure theater, totally embarrassing for them." So, yes, they got to impeach somebody, Bill, and so let's let's make it Mayorkas because you know, there's no evidence uh, on, uh, on, on Joe Biden. Uh, you know, I was having fun the other day and I was like, you know what? Why don't they just impeach Commander the dog? Just like get it over with. <laughs> they talk, you know, they're mad that Commander bit someone. Just, in, just impeach him because that's they're just making a joke and a mockery uh, of, uh, of this entire process. Although I love this thing that Republicans do. Listen to this mental mind games that they do with their, with their base. I want people to pay attention for a second. So for a year... A year, we heard that Joe Biden is head of the international criminal mastermind Biden family, right? And Joe Biden is the head of this criminal enterprise, right, around the world. We heard this. Now, they're like, Joe Biden's senile. Yeah, he's senile. He's sleepy. He has no memory. He can't do anything. Well, which is it? is he is he is he an old senile guy or is he the the head of the Biden crime family okay i mean it's just a joke but the problem is they know people can can take these missed messages, even if they're hypocritical, because they're they're sending them in different areas and different bubbles, right? And people forget what they were talking about six months ago because people don't pay attention to this stuff like you and I do, and your your listeners do. And this stuff works, and they don't they forget, they're like, Well, hold on a second. Didn't they just tell us that this guy is like some brilliant mastermind, like running this enterprise? And now they're saying he's got no memory. They, they, people don't connect the dots, but what they should realize, it's all it's all lies. It's all messaging. Right. And, and that's why and that's why they're, they can, they're, they're doing it. They're running an entire messaging war. Uh, and look, they're good at it. I give them credit. They're good at it. You see it in the polls. They then admit it. They're like, hey, these hearings are working. H- his poll numbers are going down.
1: So I'm glad you mentioned uh, Chairman Comer, because, uh, well, let's be honest. You, you certainly have a way of getting under his skin, uh, Congressman. Um, in fact, he has called you about. Let's, let, let's listen to this little exchange between where you're trying to make a point, and the chairman is is uh, running wild here. A recent committee hearing.
3: You and Goldman, who is Mr. Trust Fund, continue to uh, try recl- to reclaiming recl- my no, time. No, I'm not R- going to R- give you your time back. We can R- stop R- the R- clock. R- you all continue to, you look like a smurf here, just going around and all this stuff. Now, listen, M- Mr.
2: Chairman, you no, have, I'm you, no, 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 hold on. If we're, you if we're not on time, smurf, disinformation. you disinformation. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not going to make James my personal representative of my will. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, let me, let me say this, Bill, uh, you know, first of all, I'm a freshman in the minority. He's the chairman, right? Why he's mixing it up with me. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, all I've done in those hearings is just try to point out the hypocrisy of everything and to to give people both sides of this coin. And for some reason the chairman just gets very worked up over it. Nothing I've said is is false, nothing I've said is misleading, but he just he gets super just super angry. So yeah, I guess I'm living rent-free in his head, which was <laughs> not which was not my intention. I mean, look, the, you know, he gave a whole speech, he goes on, you know, TV all the time. He's like, and the LLCs and the LLCs, and he keeps mentioning these LLCs. And, you know, you say, you know, as Donald Trump has proven, you say it over and over and over and over again, it starts to, people think it's true. And so he he was just trying to make these LLCs that, you know, that some of the Biden family members had sound negative. Like, if you have an LLC, it must be bad. Well, all I pointed out was that James Comer himself has LLCs, right? He's got he's got LLCs, you know, and all I said is, how do we know those aren't shell companies? Which is what he would say, right? These could be shell companies. And I was saying, well, yours could be shell companies. We don't know. Uh, and, and look, I, I never accused the chairman of doing anything wrong. I'm sure he didn't do anything wrong. All I'm saying is, is that we can play this game too, James, right? We We can ask these questions. We can say maybe, perhaps, you know, we don't know. They won't tell us, you know, and and, and put these innuendos out there. And that's not helpful. Um, it's not helpful. So, yeah, he called me a Smurf. When that was going on, Bill, I was like, oh, James, keep talking. Oh, yeah. This is such a gift to me. You have no idea. I'm going to make T-shirts and ties. Oh, yeah. Come on. A Smurf. Beautiful. Let's go back to the 90s cartoon. Half the people listening didn't even get the reference. But, uh, but Yeah. James and I have a thing as you notice, we're not having many oversight hearings anymore they've kind of they've they they've kind of slowed the role there
1: uh, uh whoever made that decision, I think made the right decision because congressman, as you point out, and I can't resist playing one of my favorite uh parts of the recent hearing where you talk about you you uh, go out of your way uh rightfully so to point out to the American people the hypocrisy of the Republicans, and particularly start and led by their chairman, James Comer, uh, like about going after Hunter Biden because he refused to respond to a subpoena to the committee. Uh, here you are in your finest form recently, Congressman.
2: Listen, I'll, I'll make this bipartisan. I'll vote for the Hunter contempt today. You can get my vote. You can get my vote. But I want you to show the American people that you're serious. Here is the subpoena to Representative Scott Perry, who did not comply. Here is the subpoena to Mark Meadows, who did not comply. Here is the subpoena to Jim Jordan, who did not comply. Here is the subpoena to Mo Brooks, who did not comply. Here is the subpoena to Mr. Biggs, who did not comply. And here's the subpoena to Mr. McCarthy, who did not comply. There's an amendment coming to add some of those names into the contempt order. You vote to add those names, and I'll vote for the Hunter Biden contempt.
1: Uh, You called the bluff, Congressman. What was their response?
2: Well, again, I mean, I know... You know, in today's politics, with all the information flying, you know, hypocrisy. I mean, it just it's everywhere, and so it's so hard to keep up with. And it's not as powerful as it used to be, right? Flip flopping. You know, you could win you a campaign in the past. Now it's just, you know, it's just par for the course. But and look, Hunter's Hunter's gotten himself into some trouble. He's going to have to figure that stuff out. He's got to work himself through the legal system and the justice system. And no one's above the law. Democrats have been very clear about that. We don't make special rules for people. But in this two instances, what I wanted to point out is first, the chairman on national television twice said Hunter Biden could come to a deposition or a public hearing. That's a direct Mm -hmm. quote. Okay. so when they subpoenaed Hunter, he said he accepts the chairman's invitation to come to a public hearing. Now, if you're Hunter, why do you want to testify in public? Well, because you want the world to hear all of the facts and all of the evidence, right? If you're the Republicans, why do you want him to testify in a basement, in a dark room where no one can know what's happening? So that you can lie about what he said. Because in these depositions that they've been holding, they've not been releasing the transcripts. So they go out and they say, well, this is what happened, and this is what happened, and there's, there's no transcript. So it becomes a he said, she said kind of deal. We've seen that with the other witnesses. So Hunter accepts their invitation. He comes to this hearing, calls their bluff. I thought it was a pretty aggressive strategy. Uh, I, my, it's, it's like I, I think the Republicans were so caught off guard because they're not used to see, you know, people, Democrats being that aggressive. Um, it was Trump-esque in a way. Um, and it caught – it co- totally caught them off guard. And I think, by the way, it, you know, Hunter is now going to sit for that deposition. But I think they've now worked out the terms where the deposition is going to come out publicly. Uh, so I think his 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 pointing that out uh, and accepting the chairman's invitation worked o- on the deposition uh, on the subpoenas, you know, three of the members sit on that committee and they're given speeches and diatribes about congressional subpoenas and the authority. And by the way, I agree. You, mm-hmm. If You get a congressional right. subpoena, you have to comply. Right. You can't just blow it off. But there were six members that blew off subpoenas in the last Congress. And so I just wanted to remind people, right, that, hey, if we're being consistent, subpoenas aren't Democrat subpoenas or Republican subpoenas. They're subpoenas. And so I, I, I pointed that out. Uh, I think it was educational because I think people forgot that they didn't comply with those subpoenas. Uh, and yeah, that's why I, I said I'd vote for it. And I would have voted for it, by the way. I was serious. I would have voted for it. If they showed the American people that they're willing to hold everyone in contempt, who doesn't comply with a subpoena, I would have voted for it.
1: Uh, Clearly, it looked to me, Congressman, and I think the world that you had done your homework and the chairman had not and the committee members or the Republican staff had not. Uh, So much going on uh, and a couple of other issues uh, I want to check in with you, Congressman. We're going to take a quick break here on the Bill Press Pod. Then we'll be right back and pick up with some of the other news of the day. You hear so much about how hard it is to get aid to the displaced people in Gaza these days. Uh, you know, it may be hard for the governments to get there, but it's not hard for Jose Andres. The World Central Kitchen, led by Jose Andres, of course, they've been on the ground in Gaza since the beginning, providing food and other assistance to the refugees. They've served over 30 million meals in Gaza alone, Out of 350 million meals that the World Central Kitchen has served to refugees worldwide, a whole lot of them in Ukraine, where they are also still on the ground. There's one way we we can do our own to help these people, and that is to help the World Central Kitchen. I would urge you to do what I've done. Go to WCK.org and provide whatever help you can. And there's an extra incentive for going there now because Jose Andres, believe it or not, has a new cookbook out. It's called the World Central Kitchen Cookbook. Check it out. It was rated as one of the best new books of 2023. It's got a foreword signed by Stephen Colbert. Uh, And so, you know, if you're wondering how you could Serve a meal to 250 or 300 people tonight. <laughs> Get your copy of the WCK Cookbook, the World's Central Kitchen Cookbook. Again, WCK.org.
0: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
1: We're back on today's podcast, a very special podcast here on the Ville Press Pod with a freshman, Congressman Jared Moskowitz from Florida's 23rd congressional district, joining us, member, of course, of the House Oversight Committee. Uh, Congressman, just before the break, you said something um, almost quaint these days. You suggested that in America, nobody's above the law. That's not what Donald Trump says. <laughs> uh, and uh, you heard a, uh, we all heard, A an appeals court in Washington last week say no Donald Trump you are wrong you are now citizen Trump what do you you think the impact of that decision?
2: Well, I think that was the right decision. Um, You know, I don't think the president has immunity to use SEAL Team Six to kill their opponents. I hope we can we can rally around that on a bipartisan basis in this country that you can't use the military. You can't use military drones. You can't use the most elite force the United States has to go kill your political opponents and think you're going to get away with that. I hope we can all admit that that's a crime and you don't have immunity.
1: One so, would hope so. <laughs> yeah, we
2: hope yeah. so. So I, I think the court got it right. I think it was a lengthy opinion. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think the Supreme Court is going to take that case up. Or if they do, I think there'll they'll be a bipartisan decision saying that there is immunity for the president, but not for criminal not for criminal acts. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come up with something to make sure that it's clear or they may not take it up at all. On the other case that's in front of the Supreme Court that we heard uh, last week, I actually think they're going to rule in, in Donald's favor on that one. Uh, and I think it'll be an overwhelming majority. I think that they're not going to, they're going to set a precedent that states can't just take you off the ballot. That it's a federal election. Yes, it's run by each state, but when you're running for pre- the presidency, it's a federal election. We can't have states just picking people off. Uh, Not saying that Donald Trump wasn't involved in the insurrection on January 6th, uh, but I think they're concerned, and I heard it from the more liberal judges, they're concerned that states could just start taking you off for other purposes. And if they have that power, it could become a huge problem, which I think makes sense in my mind, because I could see Texas saying, you know what? We're not going to allow Joe Biden or the next Democrat on the ballot because you know they did something right, and so that is that that is a, a slippery slope. I will say this though, bill, it is interesting, right because we saw this special counsel report come out on the document stuff uh for uh on joe biden which which said he didn't do anything wrong uh among lots of other things it it reads it reads like a fiction novel um but you know one of the things that's fascinating is. For the last several years, all we hear, all we hear out of Donald Trump and, you know, his his, you know, people that, you know, just follow him and repeat all of the stuff is how bad the Justice Department is. Right. DOJ, it's weaponized. We got to defund the DOJ. We got to clean out the swamp. We you know, it's it's the deep state. Right. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden comes the special counsel report and they're like, look at the DOJ doing the good work, right? They're great. Like let's just <laughs> we'll take this at face value. It's just so obvious. It needs to be so obvious to the American people that you can't say this department is a complete disaster when they rule against you. But when they rule for the other side, they're great. We'll just take it, right? I mean, it, it, we just can't have it that way. It just it, it just It boggles the mind on how you know it just it's it's become a team sport uh, when it comes to what the Justice Department says and what and what we take it at face value. I I haven't heard Donald Trump talking about the weaponized DOJ in the last week since that report came out. It's fascinating.
1: Well, of course he won't because it says uh, Robert Hur went out of his way to say that while uh, Joe Biden didn't do anything criminal. Uh, he is uh, what's the phrase? An elderly man everybody likes, but who has serious memory memory problems. Do you think that that whole issue of an age um, of his age uh, is a going to be a serious problem for Joe Biden in twenty twenty four?
2: I think it's a problem for both of them, Bill. They're both in their eighties. I, I, yeah. I mean, they're both in their eighties. Like, why do we keep pretending Donald, Like, why do we keep pretending Joe Biden is running against a forty five year old? Okay. Like they're both old, both. I I mean, they're, you know, first of all, I liked that Joe Biden went out and took on the press because if they're going to say you're sleepy, go out and take them on. I loved when, you know, Peter Juicy said, are you having memory issues, sir? And Joe Biden, like super quick, like just like that was like, yeah, my memory's so bad. I gave you a question. I loved it. (laughs) Right. Like show that I want to see that, that sarcasm and spiciness, uh, from from the president, but you know, it's like we forget that you know Donald Trump hasn't done that over and over and over again with slipping up on memory issues. They made a big deal that President Biden said that you know he mixed up the president of Mexico and Egypt, and that was like a news story for like two days. Donald Trump mixed up the presidents of of the leaders of Turkey and Hungary. No, no one was like, oh, there he goes with his memory issues again, mm-hmm. right? You know, he, he said that he confused Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi. By the way, I don't know how you could confuse those two. OK, but but, you know, he said he, he said Nikki Haley was the one who failed to secure the Capitol on January 6th. OK, I mean, Donald Trump has forgot the years he's been in office. He forgets what towns he goes to in Iowa. He claims, you know, Joe Biden would start World War Two. That happened in the 1940s. Right. He mixes up country borders in, in Europe. He claims he beat Obama in the polls, didn't run against President Obama, by the way. He's confused George Bush and Jeb Bush. OK, I, I mean, it, it, it happens all the time. And we, we just saw this on Fox News the other day. Sean Hannity calling Congress members the wrong name. Jesse Waters saying the governor of South Dakota was from South Carolina. People make these mistakes. The Speaker of the House. Said he supports Iran. By the way, we might not like Speaker Johnson, but he doesn't support Iran. He meant Israel. Okay. I mean, should we, does he need to have that? Do, do they, do all these people need to have the mental acuity test that Donald Trump talks about, where he's like whale, giraffe, tiger? <laughs> I mean, look, they're both old. They're both elderly. Okay. They're both going to make these mistakes. What I don't get is why we allow the press to just make a big deal when Joe Biden does it. But there is a litany. And I did, I did, a you know, 30 seconds on it. I could, I could do five minutes on the things that have come out of Donald Trump's mouth that are incorrect, uh you know, based on his memory.
1: If the election, no doubt, which should not be decided by this, but I'd have to say if the election, no doubt, were decided on the number of serious gaffes that either one made, Right. Joe Biden would win in a landslide.
2: Oh, in a <laughs> landslide. Oh my god. Yeah. In a landslide. Yeah. But, but you know what what Trump is so good at quite frankly is he just he just he just keeps going and going and going and going and just you know it's just over, it's messaging overload. So by mm-hmm. the time we're about to report on one gaffe there's been 12 others and it's just like we he just he just keeps going and going. I mean it's just it's it's it, it it's amazing how we can't process all of the garbage because there's so much of it right and
1: i must say congressman uh, that uh, when i talk to my fellow reporters and and take them to task for not making more of donald trump's gaffes their response always is well that's just donald being donald right you know he's been doing it for so long
2: right of course they brush it it off right so his memory has sucked for years wonderful
1: yeah great um Getting short on time, so I have to ask you a couple a couple more before we before we break. Um, you, you mentioned earlier, um, of course, Mike Johnson saying we're totally in support of Iran. He meant Israel. Um, Congressman Joe Biden was first right after October seven, Hamas attacking Israel, and then brutal attack on the uh, along the border there. Joe, Joe Biden off to Iran. Uh, right, <laughs> there I go to Israel, uh, standing totally in support and in strong support of Israel alongside of Bibi Netanyahu. Um, Where are we now? Um, Has Bibi gone too far? Is he starting to lose some support? And do you think Biden needs to do more to put the pressure on?
2: Well, let me take that in steps. So first of all, I think the president has done a very good job standing by our commitment uh, to our democratic ally uh, in the Middle East, uh, in Israel, uh, seeing the largest... Terrorist attack—the the second largest killing uh, in of Jews since the Holocaust. Uh, innocent fi- civilians, kids, women, babies—you know, brutalized, raped—and um, then you know, hostages, civilian hostages, hundreds of them. Uh, I, I think it was very critical for the president to stand with Israel the way he did. I also think it was critical uh, to, to for for the United States and and under the president's direction. To bring in, you know, the the battle strike groups uh, to make sure that the war against Hamas doesn't expand. Now, yes, we've had these skirmishes, and he's dealing with that, uh, you know, in Yemen and Iraq and other places. Uh, and we got to strike hard against the Houthis and the proxies. Uh, but you know, look, Hezbollah from Lebanon ha- it is, has not invaded. We're not in a hot war with Iran proper. Uh, and so I think the President's done a good job maintaining that, although I do think again we need to be super clear and super strong, and that's why I've called for it on these Iranian proxies. We should destroy their capabilities, period uh we should eliminate their capabilities, all of their military capabilities uh so that not only do we send a message to Iran, but we can stop dealing with the stuff going on in the Red Sea. you know as far as the future bill, I mean, look I'm you know. Israel has to be able to uh, make sure that Hamas cannot return. I think that's critical for the survival of, of Israel. At the same time, we have a humanitarian crisis in the Gaza Strip. Uh, we have that humanitarian crisis, by the way, because of Hamas, not because of mm-hmm. Israel. Okay. You know, Hamas, why is the leader of Hamas worth $5 billion? How did that happen? Did he invent Facebook? Right. He stole all this money from his people, okay? You know, someone pointed out, like, why why aren't there any bomb shelters in Gaza, right? Because they didn't want to protect the civilians. They wanted civilians to get hurt to use it as propaganda and feed it, you know, over TikTok to the world. It's it's horrific. These people got to go. So Hamas has to go. But we have to figure out how uh, the innocent Palestinians can be protected and to make sure that they're getting humanitarian aid that they need you know as far as Netanyahu's concerned look they have a unity government at this point right now at some point the unity government is going to collapse, and then you know I think new leaders are, are going to come forward but you know look that's up to the Israeli people we you know here in America we have allies, lots of them we don't get to pick their leaders uh, some of the, some of the leaders agree with us one hundred percent some of the leaders don't agree with us hundred percent, but we need to use our influence and our financial assistance to try to help the outcome here both for the survival of the democratic jewish state and israel and for uh, the innocent palestinians i'm hoping that there can be a deal to get these hostages out um there can be no ceasefire without the return of the hostages um but i know you know what's going on here bill the leaders of Hamas don't want to return the hostages because that's their only—that's the only thing keeping them alive. Quite frankly, that—that's I—that's I think very clear here that the leaders of Hamas believe if they give these hostages back, that their their days are numbered. What they need to understand is their days are numbered as a as an organization and as a government in that area. Period. And so I'm hope I'm hope the, I'm hope Qatar um, can can negotiate a deal to get these hostages home. Uh, and to and to have a, a a temporary pause for however long, so that we can get humanitarian aid in, in there for the for the innocent Palestinians.
1: All right. So wrapping up, I just I'm curious. I can't help but ask you. I'm looking doing a little homework here to get ready for our interview today. I didn't realize that at one time, Congressman, before you uh, joined us here in Washington as a member of the Congress, you actually worked for Ron DeSantis. Yeah, that,
2: were, yeah. That one's that one's different, right?
1: You were director of his emergency Emergency Management Agency in Florida. what was it like working for him? and so were you surprised when his whole thing fell apart? Did you see that coming?
2: So so let me get let me get to how it happened because people see that and they're like, I don't understand. So look I, I was a city commissioner, a county commissioner, or a state representative. I've been a Democrat my whole life, but we had that horrible shooting at my high school, uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in the city of Parkland where I graduated from. And I was a state rep at the time, and I wound up passing the Marjory Stoneman Douglas School Safety Act as a state representative, which increased the age to buy guns to 21 in the state, uh, three-day waiting periods, red flag laws. We were a handful of states to pass that, and then hundreds of millions of dollars for mental health and school safety. I did that with a completely Republican legislature, Republican Senate, Republican cabinet. Rick Scott signed that bill. And it was important uh, to make sure that what happened to Douglas doesn't happen uh, at other schools or other places uh, in Florida. And I didn't know Ron DeSantis, he won the governor's race shortly thereafter. But my background in the private sector was in emergency management. I worked in an emergency management company for 10 years. And so they reached out to me uh, after he won and said, you know, the emergency management department of Florida needs help. We, we want to make it the best in the nation. We're told you're the guy to get it done. And at first I was like, absolutely not. Uh, I'm not leaving my family, my job. And by the way, I'm not working for a guy I just voted against. Um, yeah, uh, he ran wall commercials, you know, during, you know, during, uh, I'm not going to work for him, but you know what? I went home bill and I I looked at those parents that just buried their kids and government had failed them. And so the idea of having an agency that helps people in its time of need, which is what the emergency management department does here in Florida after hurricanes, or in my instance, hurricanes and COVID, um, I thought it was an opportunity to put take my political hat off for a second and go serve and help people in their time of need, and that's why I did it. How was it like to work with him? Well, look, we have very different viewpoints of the world. My was a nonpartisan job, but I I think uh, it Florida's response benefited Florida's COVID response benefited from having um, you know two two people in charge of that response who you know. Uh, brought different things to the table uh, and had an all of the above approach rather than a more limited approach had I, had I not been there. You know, as far as the race is concerned, look, uh, you know, I, I, the governor, I'm sure, will over time go through the lessons learned uh, there. Uh, you know, even if he had run a perfect campaign bill, even if it had been perfect, which it wasn't, but even if it had been perfect, it, the Donald Trump thing was going to happen. Right as as soon as the polls showed that Donald Trump could win, nobody could beat Donald Trump, because that was really the argument. The argument was Donald Trump is going to lose. Donald Trump can't win. Donald Trump is a loser. January sixth, all these criminal hearings. But when his poll numbers started to go up, there was there's there's no alternative. No one needed to be the alternative because they can get the original the the original in Donald Trump. So in fairness to the governor, even if he had been a perfect campaign. No one was beating Donald Trump if if the polls showed the MAGA base he could win.
1: Well, uh, Congressman, all I got to say is you served the uh, people of Florida well in that job, but you are now serving not just the people of Florida well, but all Americans well. In your current job uh, as a member of the House of Representatives, uh, as a freshman mem- member, uh, we look forward to lots of good stuff coming ahead. So keep up the good fight. And thank you again for joining us today on the Bill Press Pod.
2: Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it.
1: And that's it for today's podcast with Congressman Jared Moskowitz. Boy, he's one of my favorite members of Congress these days, driving him crazy on the House Oversight Committee. I love it. I love it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, we'll be back on Friday with a very lively roundtable for sure, because, as we discussed with the congressman, they're going to try to impeach Alejandro Mohorkas yet again this week. Donald Trump for sure is going to appeal that immunity decision against him to the Supreme Court this week, and we'll see if the Senate finally passes aid to Ukraine and Israel, and if the House, Mike uh, Johnson, will ever agree to take it up. That and a whole lot more. We'll wrap it all up on Friday as we do every week with our Reporters Roundtable. So have a great week, everybody. Come back and see us on Friday for the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.